0: And we're looking at Proverbs 29, verse 18 we'll be looking at, and also 2 Corinthians 4, also verse 18. (coughs) Proverbs 29 and 2 Corinthians 4. Now in Proverbs, the 29th chapter, and as we said, the 18th verse, It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Why don't you just read that out loud with me. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Well, do you want to perish, or do you want to be happy? Want to be happy. And some translations, instead of saying happy, they say blessed. Blessed. Well, if you're blessed, you're happy. Is that right? And, of course, if you're perishing, you wouldn't be happy. You'd be sad, right? Being destroyed is not going to make you happy in and of itself. Where there's no vision, people perish. Perish. So I think you can see from this that if we're going to not perish, if we're going to have victory, we must have what? A vision. We must have a vision. Would you deduct from this and from other things, if you were here that we've been studying, that uh, having the right vision is essential to having victory? Is that true? Or, Or you could say it like this. Having the right vision is essential to progression and increase, and development, fulfilling the plan of God. I mean, you could go on and on. If you want to have victory, if you want to succeed, if you want to fulfill God's will for your life, you've got to get His vision. You've got to get the vision He wants for you. Get it inside of you. Now, you won't get it all at once. You won't get the whole thing at once, but you can get uh, more of it all the time. But if you don't have that vision, what did, what did the text say? What happened to you? You perish. We certainly don't want to perish. You know, we, we are fond of quoting, or, or quote, I should say quote often, maybe it would be a better way of saying it, uh, the scripture in Hosea, that God's people, he said, my people are destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. Well, not having a vision is not having knowledge of God's way and will for you, right? I mean, you you actually have some overlap there between lack of vision Lack of knowledge. And when we say lack of knowledge, we're not just talking about lack of knowledge of what has happened. Or lack of knowledge of maybe what is happening. But also lack of knowledge of what God wants to happen. Now, when we're talking about vision, you know, the, the particular aspect of vision that I'm talking to you about is vision concerning the future. Having a vision. What does that mean? Having the right expectancy. Having the right anticipation for tomorrow. Now, go with me to 2 Corinthians. Let's read this scripture here in the fourth chapter again. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. He says, While... We look not at the things which are seen. I you that that you can't necessarily tell that much about what's going to happen tomorrow by looking at the way things are right now? Hmm? If you base your predictions of tomorrow solely on what you see today, you'll miss it again and again and again. Is that right? Because you just don't have enough uh, evidence and enough to register on your senses of the present world around about you to let you know with any accuracy about what's going to happen tomorrow. And he said, We don't look at the things, we look not at the things which are seen. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't look and see if a bus is coming before you cross the road. You understand what I'm saying? And look and see if you park by a mud hole before you open your door and get out. You understand what I'm saying? You know. Uh, sure, God gave you eyes, He intends for you to use them. He gave you a mind, He intends for you to use it. Amen. Amen. But what's He talking about? He's telling us that we are not to just base our faith and what we believe, our convictions on what we perceive with our natural senses. But we are to look at, he said, we we don't look at things that are seen, but, you could say, but we look at the things which are not seen. That's what we really base our believing on. That's what we really base our convictions and our heart persuasion upon. And he said, this is the reason why why we do that. It's because the things that are seen, they're just temporal. They're just temporary. They're subject to change, and they are changing. They have changed, and they will change. Well, that's good news. If you're hurting, that can, that can change. That's something temporal, right? That's something you feel and see. That can change. I mean, if your finances are not looking good, well, praise God, that's temporal. That can change, right? If you're in an uncomfortable situation, if you can see it, feel it, Perceive it with your senses. If it's something in this natural realm, then praise God, it is temporal. It's temporal. It can change. Not only can it change, it will change. I mean, things are changing constantly. They're going from bad to worse. Or they're going from bad to better. Is that right? But they're changing all the time, in every area. Nothing's just static and set in concrete. And so, if, if your health went from good to bad, well, it can turn around and go from bad to good. I mean, it, we, you know it can change. You've already seen it change. Right? Well, if it can go one way, it can go the other way. Is that right? How many of you can drive a car down the road one direction that you could turn that car around and drive it back the other way? Is that right? You know if it'll go one way, it'll go the other way. Is that right? you can open the door. If it, if it hinges back, well, you can also know you can push it the other way, right? Amen. And that's the way it is with natural things. If it'll change one direction, then you know already just from having experienced it, it changed, that it'll change the other way. Amen. Yeah, people say, yeah, but you know, it's gone too far and you know, and it's this and it's that and it's impossible. No, no, you're thinking just in human terms. With God, Nothing is impossible yeah but you know once once a body is in that condition, once organs are in that condition, once nerves are in that condition then they they can't uh, be changed said who a man are you listening <laughs> now for men, there are many things that are impossible you understand <laughs> you know you know he was talking over there in Matthew and he said, you know You can't, by taking thought, add one inch to your height. Is that right? You know, you can't make one hair uh, white or black by taking thought. You understand what I'm saying? You you know, there are all kinds of things that are impossible to human beings. But with God, and that's what we're talking about, with God, all things are possible. And if you'll believe God, then to you. All things are possible. Notice what he said. He said the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. 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 God wants to give you vision of eternal reality. Amen. We live in the realm of time. But God was before time and will be after time. You understand that? You ever read in Revelation where it talks about that there will come a time when it will be proclaimed that time will be no more? (laughs) Now that's kind of hard for us to wrap our head around. But you understand there will come a time when clocks and calendars are obsolete. They have absolutely no relevancy. You you know you'll never ask anybody what time is it because that won't exist anymore. You'll never ask anybody what day is it. What what you know what month is it? What year is it? That won't be relevant anymore because <laughs> it'll be now. <laughs> And I am has always been now. <laughs> Amen. And he existed before time began. And he'll exist after time is over. And I think sometimes, you know, it's we can't fully understand that. That God shows us things that's future to us. But he had it in him before the foundation of the world. And that's why a lot of times when the Lord shows you something. And if he reveals something to you, then it's now. You think, glory to God, it's now. It probably happened before the sun goes down. And it may be five years before it comes to pass. Is that what I'm saying? Because with him it is now. He sees the end from the beginning. But we live in the realm of time. Don't we? And you you understand how young we are? Here's, the Bible refers to us as little Children. Now that's not just a figure of speech. A person who had lived a hundred years—how old would they seem to a person that lived ten million years? <laughs> huh? <laughs> a preemie. <laughs> I don't know what a, what a preemie is. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? I know God's been around longer than that. Is that right? And, and uh, you know, so many of us have just been around just a few, a handful. We count them on one hand. Just a few decades. Some people are getting into the other hand. <clears throat> but still, understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and yet, you you know what is so what is so amazing though, is how much arrogance. Human beings can uh, develop, and how much pride they can develop in in a matter of two or three decades. <laughs> two or three decades, twenty, thirty, forty years, and you've got people writing books challenging the word of the omnipotent. This <laughs> is <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> That's like a two-year-old toddler challenging an individual who's, you know, got doctorate degrees in a certain area and had 40 years' experience or something. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, my, my, my. It's worse than that. Far worse than that. But praise God forever. God has a vision for you and for me. He has good works that he has foreordained that we should walk in. Amen. He has a, a height of development that he has called us to in Christ, and he is uh, foreordained that we be conformed to that. God sees exactly what we're supposed to be when we're developed as we should. He saw that before we were born again. And I, I believe that's what helps him put up with so much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I believe that that, you know, coupled, of course, with his great love and compassion, helps him to tolerate a lot of things and to be gracious and merciful and patient and long-suffering and so many things because he sees that there is potential there. I, I have seen with leaders, I've seen with with the leaders around this ministry. I've seen with Brother Hagen, <clears throat> and know of situations that that he put up with stuff out of out of people. You know, people young as as myself and different ones that worked here and did this and did that, and myself included. <laughs> and some particular situations and some particular people, you just wonder, you know, well. Why would you put up with that? But when it was all said and, and done, they straightened up and became substantial ministers. You wouldn't have thought so, but they did. And sometimes, in retrospect, you'd hear Brother Hagin say that he he had he had a glimpse of that in his spirit that they would eventually straighten up and, and do right. And so he he hung with them and understand you know what I'm saying. Praise God. And I, you know, in uh, looking back, sometimes you, you, you think, well, you know, when you grow and you look back and you see how poorly you were doing in certain areas and how weak your commitment might have been and how selfish and carnal and this and that, you wonder, you know, well, now the Lord put up with all that, you know, and then you look at the world and see what he's putting up with. But see, God's got a plan. He's got a vision. Amen. And all this is not for naught. Now, you may not know why so many things are, and there'll be all kind of things in this life you don't know why and you won't understand, but God is going to accomplish His plan. Now, I'm not, say, I'm not telling you that everything that's happening is pleasing to God and is His perfect will. I'm not saying that, and if you said that, that wouldn't be so. But, when it's all said and done, God will have accomplished His will through this thing. Aren't you glad? It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to be grand. It's going to be glorious. We have a bright, 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 bright future ahead of us. I mean, amazing. I mean, you have to wear dark shades to look at it. It's bright. Bright Bright future. Bright future. Glorious, 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 glorious. Glorious future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you don't know much about it with your head, but you can touch it a little bit with your spirit, and oh, it excites you. Oh, it just thrills you, thrills you, thrills you. So it's, you know, so amazing, so amazing what God has planned and in store for us. He has good things in this life, but I'm talking about beyond this life. You don't think we're just going to sit around on a cloud and play a harp from now on, do you? I mean... I mean, God, you know, if you want to play a harp, you probably get a chance to. But, but you will not be just unproductive, and that's not the kind of God we have. We have a God who loves increase. He loves, you understand? He loves development. He's going to be doing something. He's a creator. You understand that? And I guarantee you, there will not be a dull moment. Not be one dull moment. Throughout the ages, we, we're told that he's going to reveal to us the exceeding riches of his grace. And he, he'll unveil some of it to us. And we'll go, ooh, ah. And just about the time we think we've seen it all, he'll say, you like that? We'll go, yeah, yeah. He'll say, look at this. And he'll unveil some more. And we'll go, ooh, ah, Wow. And he'll say, you think that's something? We'll go, oh, that's incredible. He'll say, look at this. And he'll unveil some more. And he's going to do that throughout the ages. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you're in the right kingdom? Your name's on the book of life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, if the people that are out in the world serving the devil, if they could just see. And see, we're back to seeing again. If they could just get a glimpse of what we see. Because we don't see much of this, but if they could just get a glimpse of what, what little we see. Oh, it'd make them leave the devil and get saved so fast. You understand what I'm saying? He, he wouldn't know what happened to his kingdom. <laughs> he'd just empty out and he'd be there by himself with his demons. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> But the Bible says that those who don't believe the gospel, who haven't received Jesus, they're blinded. Second Corinthians 4, they're blinded. They're, the eyes have been blinded by the God of this world. See, they don't see the vision. They don't have the vision of the kingdom of God. Now, we were talking about faith and vision, and we've been talking about vision all this week, and we've been talking about having a vision of victory. How many think that's a good idea? And we saw here that there are two kinds of seeing. There's natural seeing, but there's also seeing with the spirit. Seeing spiritual things. That doesn't necessarily mean falling into a trance. We, We use the terminology all the time. If you ask somebody, do they understand something? Did you get that? Do you understand? And people say, oh yeah, I see that. I see and uh, they're talking about they—they they, there is a seeing there. They they are grasping hold of something. And there's a spiritual seeing that's more important than the natural seeing. Now we have also said to you that there are, you know, wherever you find faith, you're going to find vision. It's inseparable. If you're going to have faith, your faith is going to work with your vision. We used examples. We said if we were so inclined and had the time, we could go to Hebrews 11 and look at person after person after person who's there because of their great faith and show you that they had a vision. We talked about Abraham and Sarah. Remember them? And about how that long before Isaac was ever born, God took Abram outside and said, Look up. See the stars? Yeah. Can you count them? No. See the sand on the seashore for multitude? Can you count it? No. He said, That's how many your descendants are going to be. He got a vision of that inside Abraham and and got it in Sarah eventually. And they believed God and Isaac was born. And so the dream began. And, you know, not only the natural seed uh, of Abraham was mentioned in the Bible, but talking about the spiritual seed of Abraham, which is all of us. Can you see that we, you know, how many would we number now? I mean, the the children of God from all the generations past and, and future. He said, multiply multiply millions. He millions. He said, they're going to be just like the stars in the sky. And if God said it, that's the way it's going to be. Amen. You, well, you, you know, you may not be able to say, well, how could it be? Well, it will be, whether you can see it or not. We saw how that uh, Joseph had a dream inside of him. Even as a, a young boy, God got a vision in, in him through a dream. He saw representations of even his brothers and his mom and dad bowing down before him. And he saw himself being in a position of rulership and authority. But it sure didn't look like it was going to come to pass. I mean, he went from there to being sold into slavery, from slavery to being put in the dungeon. And it looked like that there was no way that that was going to come to pass. But that's what got him through the hardships of slavery and the oppression of being in jail and being in the dungeon. He held on to that vision. And it came to pass. And he sat on the throne in Egypt and, and, you know, next to Pharaoh. And his brothers came and bowed down to him just like that he saw in his dream. We saw that David had a vision in him when he faced Goliath just as a teenager. He said, "You know, he he remembered how God had delivered him out of the hand the paw of the bear and the, and the paw of the lion, and, and he he had a picture of how he conquered them, and and God had put it in his heart. You can do the same thing to this Philistine that you did to them, and he could see himself doing that. And he went out and he did it. See, before you can do something, you've got to see yourself doing it. Before you can have something, you've got to see yourself having it." Before you can be something, you've got to see yourself being that. Do you see that? And we would said to you that your faith is going to produce the blueprint of your vision. Your faith is going to work to produce the vision that you have inside. Be it good or be it bad. Whatever you believe in your heart and say with your mouth and expect, you see... That's going to be working with what you have conceived in vision form inside of you. Your faith produces your vision. Every how you see yourself, your faith's going to work to cause you to be that outwardly. Every what you see inside happening to you tomorrow and down the road, your faith's going to work to cause that to come to pass. You understand? Where do you see yourself five years from now if the Lord tears is coming? that where you are now? Down or up? <laughs> Worse or better? <laughs> Richer or poorer? Weaker. Stronger or weaker? Well, Did you, you understand you could say that and not really be telling the truth? <laughs> I didn't say, What do you wish would happen? <laughs> Now, did I? What did I say? What do you see yourself? Now you understand when I use language like that? What I mean? Where do you see yourself? You may, you know, if if a lot of people were honest, they'd say, Well, I just hadn't thought much about it. They don't have much of a vision. And and to be frank with you, so many people's vision, including Christians, including so-called word and faith people, charismatic people, so many people's vision is either them staying where they are, or them being worse. That's where most people's vision is at. So many people's vision. If if your response is, well, I I hadn't thought that much about it, then that means your vision is being right where you are. Staying where you are. That's where your vision's at. Now, if you have fear of tomorrow then that's obvious that you have a vision of going down. But when, if, when you think about tomorrow, uh, if somebody has to grab you to keep you from shouting and disturbing the, the service, <laughs> then what do we know? <laughs> You've got a vision for being further down the road. Is that right? Being in better shape. Being healthier, stronger, smarter, sharper, more spiritual, more successful, etc., etc., etc. You've got a vision of victory. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? And we said to you that there are two sources of vision, two major sources of vision. Now they come through many avenues, but of course we're the one we've been talking about God's. God is the source of the vision. And, of course, he's got a vision of good for you. He said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, good thoughts, to give you an expected end. He's he's got a plan. He's got the plan. You understand, there's no plan that's going to come up to his plan. But do you understand that the devil also has a plan for you and a vision for you? Oh, yeah. He has a will for you. God has a will for you. And you can live in His, you can live in God's perfect will. Or you can live in His acceptable will. Not in the perfect will, but you can, you know, not exactly in the perfect will of God, but kind of in the will of God. You understand there's different degrees of living in the will of God? You can live in the will of God, but not fully in the will of God. But if you want the full blessing of God on your life, you have to live fully in the will of God. Completely doing what He wants you to do. Now the devil... Has a perfect will for your life. You've already missed it. <laughs> Praise God. You, you missed the devil's perfect will for your life. Glory to God. What was it? It was that you die and go to hell with Him. Is that right? Now, if you're saved and if you'll continue to walk with God, you see, you've missed that. Isn't that great? Missed His will. <laughs> But you know he's also got an acceptable will. If he can't take you to hell with him, he's got something else he'll settle for. And that's keeping you defeated in this life. You understand what I'm saying? And keeping you from being fruitful in the kingdom of God. If he if, if he can't, you know, get you to perish with him and and cause you to be lost with him then even though you'll be saved in the end, he would like to cause you to be defeated and destroyed in this life. <clears throat> and he has a vision for you. Uh, you know, yesterday we talked about the two sources of vision, about how that you come to the fork in the road. And uh, I, I did kind of like this, kind of like a why, you know, going both, both directions. The Lord showed me that's not right. That it's like this. That God's way goes straight. Are you listening? But the enemy's way goes off. You understand know what I'm saying? Well, that stands to reason, doesn't it? I mean, how many going know God's way is straight. Is that right? Straight. Straight and narrow. But the enemy is always trying to get you to leave God's path for your life. Always. And I wish I could tell you that you could just, you know, get locked into God's will and never have to be concerned about it again. But as long as you live, the enemy will continue to be trying to get you off through different things. And so you're going to have to stay diligent. And you have to stay, you know, hooked up with the Lord and communing with Him, checking your heart. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to make little adjustments through life. How many know when you drive a car? Anybody in here ever drove a car? (laughs) Huh? Just to make sure this is relevant to you. Uh, When you drive a car, can you go down the highway and hold the steering wheel perfectly still and straight and not move it? If it's a, let's let's say, even if it's a straight uh, shot of highway, can you do that and stay on course? What have you got to do? You're continuously doing this, aren't you? A little bit this way, a little bit... This, is that right? Even when you're going in a straight line. you continuously. Because, see, everything is not perfect, is it? The car is not perfect. The front end, the alignment, the tires, even though it might look right still, you know, if everything was perfect, there'd be no lash. The highway is not perfect. Is that right? The soil is not perfectly level, or The root's not... You understand what I'm saying? You've continually, continuously got to be making little things. And because life and its surroundings here are not perfect, they're perverted by the curse and off. And because you and I, our thinking is not always perfect. Is that right? And response is not always perfect. Continuously through life, we have to be doing that. Little adjustments here. Every day, you should be making these minor adjustments. And if you'll make these minor adjustments on a continuous basis, you stay on on, on course. You stay on track. You understand? And and even if you if the enemy deceives you a little bit and you start off the wrong way, you can still come back and get back on track. You understand what I'm saying? And the person, now, I want you to hear this now, the person that takes the wrong course, accepts the wrong vision, and follows after the wrong thing, and does it to their destruction, is a proud, haughty, unteachable person. You understand that? I'm telling you for a fact. Because a person whose heart is just halfway right with God, God will warn them, He'll teach them. He'll alert them. He'll even send people across their path oftentimes. Sometimes it'll even come out of the mouth of their elders. You understand? And a person who just stays on that course, uh, in a wrong vision, and wrong course to their destruction, you can just mark it down, they're a haughty, proud, unteachable person. Now they might not think so themselves, but they are if they do that. Because the person that's humble and teachable Even if they begin to get off, God will help them to see it if their heart's right. And when they see it, they'll make the correction and get back on. Even if they veered off a good little bit, they'd still make the correction and get back on. You ever took a wrong turn going somewhere? Can you get back on track? Sure you can. Now, the further you go, then the longer it's going to take you to get back on track. Is that right? You know, I have you know just just barely missed a place, and it didn't take you just a moment to get back on. I have took the wrong turn, and it took you a long time to get back on. Different wrong turns can cost you different amounts, can't they? I mean, depending on where you're at and what you're doing. I mean, sometimes in some cities you take a wrong turn, and buddy, it could be an hour before you understand what I'm saying before you ever find how to get back on. Other places it's nothing; you just go down one more block and get back on. You know. That's the way it is in life. There's some things you miss it in, and it's not—it's easy to get right back on track. Other things, it costs you more. And if you'll just, you know, uh, fellowship with God on a daily basis, pay attention to your heart, you'll always know the right way to stay. Amen. Amen. And even if you do miss it, you—if know, you—if you'll just just keep your heart right with God and fellowship with Him. If you when you when you take a wrong turn, you'll know it immediately. You'll know it inside your heart. Uh oh, I missed it. Then it's a matter of getting back on. Uh oh, I did the wrong. You'll know it. You'll know it inside. You may not be able to figure that with your head, but if you if you pay attention to what God. And I'm, I'm not talking about hearing voices. I'm not talking about you know having angelic appearances. I'm just talking about going by the inward witness, this inward knowing. You start going the wrong way, you won't have peace. You'll be agitated inside. you go, something's not right here. Something's not right here. And the further you go, the worse it'll get. Well, if you're smart, you'll stop and say, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something's not right here. Uh, but the way of the Lord, the you know, following the vision of the Lord and the plan of the Lord, there's peace. I said there's peace. Now, I didn't say there'd never been any trials and tests as you follow the Lord. There will be, but even in those, there's grace. Amen. Hallelujah. And there's peace. Grace and peace. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? So there are two sources of vision. You, you know, the enemy is always trying to get his vision into you. And like we said, that vision is not always, you know, at first, failure. It can, he, he can try to give you a vision of success. The world's way—anything to get you away from, get get you off track and get you off the path of God. Yeah, if you do this, you'll get rich. But if you do this, you'll get famous. Yeah, if you do this, if you'll do this, you understand. And listen to me carefully. Covetousness will blind you to the leading of the Lord. Covetousness will blind you to the leading of the Lord. When your flesh wants something so badly it dulls your hearing, doesn't it? Is that right? I know just as a boy from the time I was a good sized boy my dad and mom started making us boys make some of our own decisions. And that's good. That way you learn before you leave home. You learn a few things. And uh, there were times you know, that my dad would tell me, well, son, I don't, you know, if I were you, I don't think I'd get that. I don't think I'd buy that. Oh, but I wanted it so bad. And he wasn't going to tell me not to do it. But he said, son, if I, you know, if I was you, and he's given me good counsel. He's lived longer than I have. He's learned some things the hard way. And he's, he's trying to tell me. But, uh, but, the, but all I could see was the gleam of the thing. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm infatuated by this particular thing. You know, especially if you never had a particular thing or, you know. And so you go ahead and, and get it. And then after the new wears off, and you have to deal with the negatives about it, you begin to see, hey, that you were offered wise counsel. Why didn't you listen to it? Why didn't you? Why didn't you see how wise it was? Because <laughs> your covetousness for that particular thing blinded you. You know, if we'd follow the leading of the Lord, we'd never miss it in purchases, in investments, in invo- You understand what I'm saying? But have you ever missed it buying something? Or- Anybody here ever missed it buying something or getting? <laughs> Uh, I'm not proud of it, but I have. I have. Well, then we obviously wasn't led by the Holy Ghost, were we? Because the Holy Ghost didn't lead us to throw our money away and mess up. I mean, we could have, you know, instead of throwing that money away, we could have put it in the kingdom of God. Is that right? (laughs) Why didn't we we hear it? Why didn't we listen? Well, covetousness deafens you and blinds you. To the leadings of the Lord. That's why the more you get your flesh crucified, the, the easier it is to hear from God. Did you get that? I said, the more you crucify your flesh, and the more you die to you, having to have your way, and you understand what I'm saying? The easier it is to hear from God, and the more distinct the communication of God is to you, because you're not just living for you. You're living for Him. Can you say amen? amen. And, and the less you think about yourself, and the less you're obsessed with yourself, what you want, then the easier it is and the clearer you'll hear God. Now if you'll meditate on that, that'll help you. That'll help you right there. Now I said that concerning the future... That vision I'm talking about concerns the future. And if you get to looking at something, and you get to beholding it, we said you, be, you become what you behold. Just back up there to this third chapter of 2 Corinthians. Let's read this again. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. He says, Now the Lord is that spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Can you see why we say that you become what you behold? Is that what that verse is saying, in essence? That as you behold or look as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, what happens to you? You are changed. Changed into what? Into the same image, into what you're looking at. That doesn't happen instantaneously. No, it happens from glory to glory. That's a process, a progression. But you become what you behold. That's why so many people, you know, uh, it's, you know, a natural thing to become like your parents. Because from the time that you're very, very young, that's who you're looking at. And then the same thing is true with your spiritual leaders. You become like them. You understand what I'm saying? Because you behold them. They're they're an example to you. In the world, you know, people... uh, Uh, they they find people that they are impressed with, be they athletes or uh, entertainers or government officials or you name it, and the person that they become impressed with and begin to watch them, and you you watch little kids. When when somebody impresses them, they start wanting to dress like them and look like them and use their vocabulary. Is that right? What's happening? They're, they're, They're looking at them. And as they're looking at them, what's happening? They are being changed into the same thing they are looking at. They become more like them. This is such a truth, such a universal truth, friend. You become what you behold. You become like those you look at. And when I say look at, I don't just mean a passing glance, those that you're impressed with. When you're impressed with something, then you begin to get a vision of that in you, and then your faith begins to produce that, and you begin to become like that. You know, that's why television is so popular in our country, and, and movies and everything. It's because it's what? Vision. Is that right? And we human beings live on vision. That's what we live on what we thrive on. We love vision. God made us to operate on vision. And like I said, the enemy, though, wants to feed you the wrong vision. If he keeps the wrong thing in front of you, you begin to get that vision inside of you. And if you get that vision inside of you, you will outwardly become like that. Do you know that? You know, the psychologists and psychiatrists and those who study these fields and, and many of the ones that are discussing these things, as far as they're concerned, the jury is still out as to whether watching more violence, watching violence causes violence or watching sexual perversion causes perversion. But I could tell them right now, there's no question about it you got some people that say they're convinced and other people that say, Oh, no, there's no conclusive data or proof. I'm telling you, you watch it and it affects you. You watch much of it. You watch a lot of it and it affects you a lot. Did you hear me? There are to be, I'm telling you, friend, if I was king of America, I didn't say president. President doesn't have enough power. King. You say it and it's done. All sorts of publications would be against the law. All different types of programs and movies would be against the law. And it would affect your crime rate just like that. There's no question about it. No question. I mean, they've had too many serial killers. Confess in prison. How how did you get to the place where you did these crazy, horrible things? Well, I started feeding on these magazines and feeding on these... Out of their own mouth, they told you. Whatever you begin to feed upon, that's what you will begin to emulate. And listen, the Lord spoke this to me just a few months back. And I hadn't thought about it just like this. But we're talking about embracing something. But listen to this. Tolerance is the first step toward lightness. Tolerance. Just tolerating something. And most people tolerate a whole lot. They watch it, they listen to it, they look, they know it's not good and right, but they they put up with it. But the Lord spoke to my heart that that's the first step toward becoming like that is just allowing it. Just to, see, the enemy is very subtle, isn't he? <clears throat> very subtle, and he's willing to work. I'm telling you, I, I never realized years ago. I never realized how persistent the enemy is. He's willing to start on you with something and work on that same thing year after year after year after year. Until he gets that in you. Plant a seed and, and water. He, he will work. See, we're creatures of time. To us, 10 years seems like a, a long time. But to spirit beings that have been around for millennia, there's no what I'm saying. Working on something for 10 years is just a little small project. A little nothing project you say. For what we let ourself behold, we open ourself up to becoming like. It may not happen overnight or in a week or two or a year, but you keep subjecting yourself to it and you'll become more like it. I said you'll become more like it. You listen to profanity and, and you'll start talking like that. If you listen to enough of it, long enough, oh, you might keep it under wraps pretty good, but, but a little pressure comes and whatever's in you is going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. <laughs> Under pressure. Is that right? Whatever. Whatever. And people, you know, have all kind of things in them because people feed on all kind of things. Vision. Now now it's not just T V, it's also reading. You understand, because what we've already talked about that. What you read or what you hear, those words are doing what? They're painting pictures. Is that right? Causing you to envision scenes. Causing you to live incidents. You understand what I'm saying? And it affects you. It affects you. You will become... What you continually behold—it's a law, it's a principle. Well, what if you continually beheld the glory of Christ? <laughs> oh, glory! To... Is the is the law? Does the law hold true? What's going to happen to you if you do that? We just got through reading it. Is that right? What's going to happen to you? Do you mean to tell me that you become like Him? That's exactly. What God intended for us. Amen. Glory to God. Woo. What if you look at Jesus in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and every day and every What if you look at what if you behold the glory of God all the time? You will conceive within you the image of Christ, who is the image of the Father. Hallelujah. And God intends that you be changed into the same glory that you're looking at from glory to glory until, like the Master said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wants us to be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Lord. Not that you are the Lord, but that you are a direct reflection of His glory. Now, we haven't arrived there, but we ought to be looking. I said we ought to be looking. We ought to be looking to get the vision inside of you. You know, read the gospels, feed on them. Look at Jesus. Watch how he talked. Look how he acted. Look how he operated. Feed on it. Read it. Feed on it. Read it. Feed on it. Read it. I've heard. I heard different individuals uh, in in reading a brother or Robert's story and and hearing him talk about some things. Uh, he said that at one point before he really. Uh, broke out into the healing ministry in the power that he operated in uh, for for several years, of course i guess he 's had a healing ministry all of his life since that time but but uh, during the days when he was in the tent, uh, phenomenal miracles and healings, and in the period of time before that he was impressed. To, to, he, he had read the scriptures and studied them for years and years and read the New Testament many, many times, but the Lord impressed him to just feed on the four gospel accounts over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Why? What are you seeing in the gospel accounts? You're seeing Jesus teaching, preaching. And healing the sick—is that right? You see him speaking the word, demons leaving. You see him touching people and saying, "Be healed, be clean, see, be open, rise and walk." And he saw that and, saw that, and 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 saw that until he stood on the platform in those huge tents, and he did what he saw, and it happened. Glory to God. Same works, and that's what Jesus said. He that believes on me. And of course, what are we talking about? If you're going to have faith and believing, you've got to have what? Vision. Vision and believing go ahead. He that believes on me, the works I do shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. But you've got to get the vision. You've got to see you doing what he did. Hallelujah! You've got to see yourself doing that. Now first, you've got to see him doing it. Now, I don't, I don't mean you just got to you just got to scan through the four Gospels. No, I mean you have to feed on them and let the Holy Ghost cause those incidents to come off the page so that you see them. You see Him doing that. You see Him touching the leper with compassion and saying, I will be thou clean." and, and see it happen. You got to see it. You got to see Him do it. Amen. Not, not that you actually fall into a trance. But do you understand what I'm talking about? You see it. By revelation, you see it. And then, once you've seen Him do it, then you go from there to seeing you do it. Which is really saying the same thing. It's still seeing Him do it through me. It's still seeing Him do it. But it's seeing Him continue to do the same things He did there through His body, and I'm a part of His body. Can you say amen? Amen. Vision. Thank God for a good vision and a right vision. Beware and be on the watch for the wrong vision. The devil's constantly trying to feed you the wrong thing. Constantly trying to, through words and through pictures and through sounds and through any number of things, paint within you and construct within you a vision that's wrong. Wrong. I want you to go with me to Genesis. The 30th chapter real quickly today. Let's look at something here. Genesis chapter 30. In Genesis the 30th chapter, we have part of the story of Jacob here. And uh, you're familiar with this story if you've read your Bible, but let's look at some things here. Genesis 30. Verse 25. It came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go into my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served thee and let me go, for you know my service which I've done thee. And Laban said to him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in your eyes, tarry or stay. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. And he said, Appoint me your wages, and I will give it. Now see, Laban had a vision of him going down if Jacob left. Decreasing. Because he believed that the reason why he's been prospered so is because Jacob is with him. And so he didn't want he didn't want Jacob to leave because. He obviously has a vision that things are not going to be as good if Jacob leaves. So he's willing to pay him his price. But uh, Jacob knows how tricky Laban is. And, you know, we could interject some other things in here. You know, uh, what you see here in, the, in these preceding chapters particularly, before you get to this point, you see the tricker get tricked. Jacob's name was planner. Deceiver, tricker. Remember, he tricked his brother Esau repeatedly. Tricked his father. Is that right? He was tricker. He's Jacob, the slick one. But then he met Uncle Laban, the slicker one. (laughs) Mr. Slick meets Mr. Super Slick. And I mean, uh, Laban tricked him. How many believe the scripture where it says be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever a man sows, that shall he... Uh, See, people may think they get away with stuff. You may think, boy, I took them. I got... Yeah, somebody's going to take you. (laughs) Did you hear? Let, let Let me say this to you. No one on the planet gets away with anything. Nobody. There's not a person that gets away with anything. Now a lot of people might say, Oh, I don't believe that, Brother Keith. I mean, look at this person. They did this and they got got away with it. It's not over yet. Yeah, but they already died. It's not over with. Are you listening? There's a righteous judge who sits on the throne. Are you listening? and nobody gets away with anything. If you're smart, you'll live before the Lord every day of your life. You'll do everything as before him, because you are in truth, before him. Amen. And the man or woman that thinks that they can trick and do this and deceive and nobody knows and get away, they're ignorant. Do you think God's blind, you think he doesn't know? He knows. And just because it's not all brought to sight in the next year doesn't mean a thing. I said, doesn't mean a thing. I We get back to talking about time again. People think, oh man, it's been 10 years. Nothing's been said. I got away with it. You didn't get away with anything. If you're smart, you'll repent. Is that right? Ask God to forgive you. Because you won't get away with things, but the blood will cleanse I said, but the blood will cleanse. But the blood will cleanse. So the thing to do is just to go to him immediately and ask for forgiveness and cleansing. But he's been tricked and been tricked and been tricked. And so he finally tells Laban, you know, I want to go home. Let me go home. Laban said, no, I don't want you to go home. I mean, the Lord's blessed me and I know it's because you're here with me. And he said, just tell me what you want me to pay you and I'll give it. And so, verse 31, Jacob said, uh, you'll not give me anything, I don't want anything from you right now, but if you'll do this for me, I will feed and keep your flock, I'll stay with you. I'll pass through all the flock today, and I'll remove from there all the speckled and spotted cattle. How many of you got cows that's solid color, and then you got cows that's different colors? Maybe you got a black cow, and then you've got a cow that's black and white. Or a brown and white cow. You understand what a red cow, or red and white. Different colors, solid color, or multicolor. And all the brown cattle among the sheep. Same thing with sheep. And spotted and speckled among the goats. And of such shall be my hire. He said, this is what we'll do. From now on, any off-color animal belongs to me, and that'll be my pay. And, uh, he said, verse 33, my righteousness will answer me in time to come when it's come from my hire before your face. Everyone that's not speckled, spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that'll be counted stolen upon with, with me. In other words, if you see solid color cows and sheep, you know that's one of yours. If you see one of them in my pen, you know I stole him from you. Now, of course, without having to say it, the other thing was also, other side was also true. Is that right? If he saw a speckled goat in Laban's bunch, hey, he knows who it, I mean, God gave him wisdom here, didn't he? It's going to be hard for Laban to trick him on this. Let's see, get some paint and paints these cows or something and that'll wash off. Right? It's going to be hard for Laban to wriggle out of this one. And Laban, he jumped on this deal. He thought, hey, that's, that's a good deal because the implication is that that was the minority of the flock. That most of the flock was the solid color animals. So that, you know, Laban, he didn't hesitate. He said, sure, we'll sign the papers today. No problem. But what he didn't figure on is that God has taught Jacob an amazing lesson about vision. I said an amazing lesson about vision. So before I go any further, can you figure what kind of vision... Jacob must have had. What kind of vision do you think Jacob had? He had a vision. Uh, uh, instead of the flocks having a spotted calf once in a while. He could see them having spotted calves all the time. Right and left. Is that right? Spotted calves everywhere. He could close his eyes and see spotted calves as far as the eye could see. Now, where did he get it? Go over to chapter 31 and notice. Verse 10, he tells about a revelation that God gave him. It came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream. Now, we're not giving all the detail, but I don't know, maybe he was out there tending the flocks and he saw the the flock, the, the cattle breeding And while that was going on, he had a dream. And in this dream, God gave him revelation. And behold, he saw the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straight, speckled, and grizzled. See the off color. And the angel of God spoke to me in a dream and said, Jacob. And he said, here I am. He said, lift up now your eyes and see. Vision. All the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-straight, speckled, and grizzled, for I've seen all that Laban does unto you. God gave him this by revelation, didn't he? See, how come he, how come he told Laban this? How come him to think about that? God's already given it to him in vision. <coughs> now, you know, boy, this is this a super teaching and lesson for businessmen, businesswomen. You see, if you'll seek God about what to do, He'll give you vision. And you may see a particular thing prospering and going when the natural things say, no, it's not going to go that way. But no man knows the future. God knows the future. Is that right? I know you know that a businessman that's associated with this ministry, he uh he was riding out in one area of town one day and the Lord prompted him to buy a certain piece of ground, uh, land and territory. Real estate. And, uh, they had, you know, they had talked like that the highway, the main highways were not going that direction. They were going the other way. And so it looked like it'd be a bad investment to buy all this property out here. But God dealt with him to do it and and of course he did it in faith having a vision that this is going to make good. He may not know how but he's having a vision that this is going to make good. He obeyed the Lord. Not too long after he bought that thing and got everything squared away the city changed its plans and they ran the interstate right through his property and everything that he owned out there became prime real estate Well, see, if somebody would have, you know, if this would have just been, if this would have been up on Wall Street, who wants to buy shares in Jacob's spotted calf organization? And then looked in the books, well, how many speckled calves were produced over the last 10 years? Well, this amount percent. Oh, no, don't invest in that. Invest in the solid color. (laughs) Yeah, but Jacob had a vision. That the speckled and spotted were going up. Invest in speckled and spotted. Can you see that? And what's, one thing that's so amazing. Is this vision didn't stop with Jacob. He was so thrilled about it and inspired. He felt impressed to get the cows in on it. He wanted them to get the vision. Because after all they're going to be the ones doing the work. Doing the reproduction. Right? So they got to get division. <laughs> now look. Verse 37 of chapter 30. 30, 37. Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of hazel and chestnut tree. And he peeled white streaks or streaks in them. And made the white appear which was in the rods. Now what did he do? He took sticks, or rods, and he took his knife. Of course, the rods are solid color. But what kind of calves does he want? Spotted and striped and streaked. Is that right? So he streaks up these rods like the calves he wants. Are you you with me? And then, verse 38, he set those rods which he had peeled before the flocks, in front of them where they could see them, In the gutters, in the watering trough. Now, how many? When an animal sticks its head in the watering trough, its eyes are how close to the trough? Is that right? Right there. Sometimes their their nose is in the water part of the time, so their eyes are a matter of inches away from these uh, speckled, and spotted, and striped rods. And the flocks conceived before the rods, looking at the rods. And what happened? They brought forth cattle, ring straight, speckled, and spotted. And you can't tell me this won't work. This works with a cow. <laughs> this works. If it'll work for a cow, I know it'll work with us. We're, sh- we're smarter than the average cow. Is that right? Much smarter. Now unless you think, well, you know, that, that was just happening uh, during that time. No, listen to what, what, what Jacob did elsewise. He, the Bible said in verse 40, he separated the lambs, and he set the faces of the flocks toward the ring straight, and all the brown in the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves, and don't, didn't put them with Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, Jacob laid the rods before the what? Eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods, because when they were looking at ring strike, speckled, and spotted, and they conceived what they conceive, ring strike, speckled, and spotted, and so they carried those uh, animals inside, and then they brought forth what, ring strike, speckled, and spotted. But verse forty-two: when the cattle were feeble, the weak cows, he didn't put his rods in. <laughs> and so, as time passed on, the feeble cows were Laban's, and the strong were Jacob's, and the man increased exceedingly, and had much cattle, and made servants, and men servants, and camels, and asses. Amen. Oh, glory to God. So, I mean, this, this thing was working. Oh, yeah. You put the rods in, they conceived, ringstraked, speckled, and spotted. When the, when the wheat cow came up there, Jacob looked and said, oh, I don't want that oh, wheat cow. No, he pull his right eye, and so they just have regular color. (laughs) Jacob had a vision within him of the herds and flocks bringing forth spotted and speckled animals. He put spotted and speckled in front of the cows. They saw spotted and speckled. They conceived spotted and speckled. They brought forth spotted and speckled. Oh my 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 my! These things are not just in the Bible, just for interesting reading. Now, are they? I mean, they are there. they reveal revealed to us spiritual principles that God's had in motion from the beginning. Oh, friend, if we could conceive within ourselves what God wants for us and what He says He's already done for us in Christ, if we can get that before our eyes and get that in our ears and get that on our mind and get that in our heart and conceive that and see that inside then what's going to happen? Our faith will work to cause that to come forth on the outside. What kind of vision do you have for yourself? I said, what kind of vision do you have for yourself? don't, Don't just say what you think is the right thing. I want you to think about what kind of vision you have. I want you to reflect. You don't have to give me an answer right now. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking for that reason. I want you to go home tonight. I want you to think about it tonight. And think about it tomorrow. What, can, what do I believe God wants to do with me? I'm not just here by accident. God's got a plan. God's got a plan. What, what does He want to do with me? Does He want me to stay where I'm at? I'm talking about just staying in the same condition I am. Spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, whatever. No, no, God always wants you to go up and onward. Always wants you to go up and onward and forward, glory to glory, grace to grace, faith to faith, blessing to blessing, strength to strength. Got to get a vision. Got to get a vision. That's one of the most challenging things that I've found as a teacher and preacher and minister of the Word of God is getting a vision in people and of course you, you 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 a human being doesn't do it you work in conjunction with the holy ghost and the holy ghost is the one that reveals truth and gets a vision but i have worked with sometimes people one on one personally trying to get a vision in them of coming out of this thing Try, trying to 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 through the words of the lord words inspired uh get them to see in themselves coming over the hump getting out of this thing you know, if they were in financial duress and distress, you got to see yourself paying those bills off. you got to see yourself giving and getting ahead and getting in a position to bless other people. you got to see it. Before it ever happens out here, you got to see it in here. I don't care if you've been sick a long time. I don't care if it's, if it's just gotten worse and worse. The, the first place it's got to change is inside here. you got to see yourself getting better. You gotta see yourself getting better and stronger and better and stronger and doing things that you haven't been able to do. You gotta see it. You got to see it. It's got to become just as real inside of you that you see it until it becomes so real that what you see out here doesn't bother you anymore because you've already seen in here. You've seen your future. I said you've seen your future. Now, you don't know everything about the future and you won't know everything about the future. But if you'll meditate in God's Word and and seek Him about it, He'll give you glimpses. Revelation inside your spirit. Glimpses of things He has for you. Health and blessings and strength. You've got to get that vision. And then your faith can produce that vision. But until you have the vision, what can your faith produce? What can your faith work to cause and bring to pass? Getting vision in somebody is not always the easiest thing. It really is not. Sometimes people have looked at the other way and the enemy has so firmly implanted that vision inside of them. This is what I am. This is what my mom and dad was. This is what I'm going to be. they got a vision. And they never expect to rise above this certain place. And if they don't, they won't. Oftentimes the enemy has gotten the vision in them of, you know, getting worse and worse and dying. Staying this way until you die. How many remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? Over in Mark 10, you remember the story, he was blind? And how that he, you know, he couldn't see see and heard Jesus was coming and began to cry and scream out loud, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him, hush, be quiet, you're making a disturbance. He just screamed the louder. Jesus heard him and said, uh, bring him to me. And so he got up, and the Bible said when he got up, he cast his garment away. Remember that? He threw his, threw his outer coat, his, his cloak-like garment, he threw it away. Now, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that's insignificant and unimportant. I unimportant. Why would he do that? Why, if he did it, why would the Bible mention it? We're told, and of course this, this comes to, with culture and history, and I don't know the details of this, but we're told that people wore different clothing to designate their place in life. And that just like you might see today, a, a, an individual that's blind having on a, a certain glasses and a certain white cane and certain things that let you know, that this man's cloak very likely indicated, hey, watch out, this guy can't see, uh, this guy needs a handout, he's dependent on uh, the, the handouts of people t- for sustenance. And if that be the case, if this cloak indicated his blind condition or helpless condition, then we could understand very readily and easily then why that he would grab that thing and give it a flame. Why? Because everything about that cloak says blind, helpless, destined, and resigned to poverty and lack. You understand? He grabbed that thing and he gave it a flame, And with it, he is severing his identity with poverty. Severing his identity with disability. Severing it. He's saying, this is not me. This cloak its a blind cloak. That's not for me. Jesus just called my name. And he gave that thing a flame. And it was true that he left that place seeing and he didn't need a blind cloak. But I'm telling you, like a garment that, you know, clothes people. And in fact, like a garment that binds people. And like blinders that blind people are wrong visions. This is who you are. This is what you are. This is what you're always going to be. This is what you have. This is what you're always going to have. This is what's going to... See, people without even realizing it, they have adopted and accepted those things and resigned themselves and they have no vision of victory. They have no vision of coming up. I know something that the Lord is prompting me about today that so many even... Even if they do have a vision, their vision is so small, so small, so tiny. God is a big God. Amen. And I'll tell you something about God's vision. This is, this is a real good way to tell whether the vision you got is actually yours or His. If you can see how you can do it and figure out how to do it, it's not God's vision. It's your vision. Yeah. If you if you look at it, if you look at the vision that you have there, and you think, "Oh yeah, we can do this, and and we can just get this and take care of this," and and then of course we you know, were able to do this, and and that's not God's vision. Amen. No, no, no. Because if it's God's vision, yeah. you look at it and scratch your head, going, "Oh wow, uh, and we never did this. Uh, how are we going to do this? You see know what I'm saying? Where in the world is this going to come from? How?" Could this happen? But you have to always come back to faith. Well, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. The Lord will supply. The Lord will give us the ability. He'll give us the grace. He'll lead us. But if you can, all, if you can figure it out and put it in a nice little neat package, that's not God's vision for you. That's your little pitiful vision that you concocted yourself. God doesn't think much of it at all. God has a big vision. But did you know this? God is limited by how much of His vision He can impart to us. By several determining factors within ourselves. You know, I really believe that God would like to reveal more of the vision to us. Now, He's never going to show us everything because He wants us to walk by faith. But I believe the Lord would show us more and and let us be more in the know about things. Because for one thing, we could cooperate with Him better. The more you understood, you could cooperate a little better. But one major reason why God is not able to reveal more of the vision to people than He does, well, like we've already said, is because they're so obsessed with their own vision. You understand what I'm saying? They, they got their own vision. And you can't serve two masters, and you can't fully commit to two visions. Is that right? And I tell you, I've just learned, and I haven't haven't done it perfectly, of course, but but uh, I I just don't do much planning of my own. Don't let my I don't let myself think and do much dreaming on my own, because you just wind up having to die to it anyway. I don't know if you understand what I mean by that or not. I've had people ask me a number of times, well, well, Brother Key, what have you planned to do after this or after this or after this or after this? And a lot of times I'll say, well, I, I don't really know. had not thought that much about it. Well, what do you mean? Well, if the Lord has shown me a glimpse of something, then I hold of that and have that vision. But unless it's something that He's shown you, then you can just concoct your own vision. And if you follow Him, you're going to have to die to that anyway. And so you're better off as not even having it to begin with. Now another reason why I think that God is not able to give people as much of the vision as He would like too many times is because of their lack of faith. That's a big reason. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, it takes faith when God gives you a glimpse of vision. Because like I said, when it's His vision, it's always beyond your abilities. Always. I said all, not, not just once in a while, always. it's all. In other words, what I'm saying is you're going to have to trust God and, and He's going to have to move and there's going to have to be miracles for it to happen. <laughs> now when it's that way, then that's a good sign. That it's, it's God's vision instead of yours. But you know... So many times, God's hardly able to show people anything because they they get overwhelmed so easy, and they get in doubt and unbelief. So I mean, you just take a group of people. Uh, 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 say you're a pastor of a local church, and God gives you a vision for what He wants to do in the community or in the area with that group of people. You have to be very careful how much of it you share with people because so many times people's faith is so low that if you say too much, uh, show them too much too quick. They'll, they'll balk on you and go, oh my God, we can't do that. Oh Lord, what what is he thinking? That's going to cost millions of dollars. Oh no, we're too small. We're too this. See, well you'd be better off not even bringing it up yet. The wise person won't say anything about it yet. But what does that mean? That means that the persons the the, the group is seeing a smaller amount of the vision. Because that's all their faith's able to have. As your faith increases, God can show you a bigger piece of it. Yeah. You're not so easily overwhelmed. <laughs> Instead of you just falling out of your chair and going, Oh, ah, oh, oh no, no, we can never do that. You just kinda wipe your brow and go, Well, that's pretty big, sure is. But God, you're, you can do it. You, you're a big God. You, you've done other things for us that we didn't see how we could do and you're faithful. See, so when God hears you talk like that, then he goes, alright, okay. We can show them a little more before long. But when they're having to pull out the smelling salts and, <laughs> and say, you know, are they alive? Then the Lord knows I can't say much to them further. Their faith is too puny. They can't see much. They can't handle it. (laughs) Can you say amen or oh me or wow or something, something. How many can see this truth that you become what you behold? Can you see that? You believe that? If you really believe that, you know what you'll do? Hmm? I said, if you really believe that, you know what you'll do? You'll be very particular about what you behold. Really. You understand what I'm saying? If you really believe that you become what you behold, then you'll be careful about what you behold. You'll see to it that you behold the right things and you'll not let yourself behold the wrong things because you don't want to be like that. Now, to go ahead and keep on beholding the wrong thing, whatever that might be, shows that you really don't believe that you actually will become what you behold. You think you can behold it and it won't affect you. Which means that you don't believe the Word. But if you really believe that you become what you behold, you'll begin to be very selective about what you behold and you'll monitor yourself and you'll check your vision and you'll check what you let yourself think on and what you let yourself look at and talk about and listen to and what you let yourself think about your future and about the morrow, and you will keep your eyes up and on the right thing constantly because that's what you want to become. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church.